This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was Burning Man, and our guest was Milana Weintrub. Please enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I am Adam Lustig. And last week we talked about Beyonce and we talked about junk food. Yeah, we Adam. hit both topics in one week. Uh, we're diverse. We like both Beyonce and junk food equally, but differently. Yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's, I feel like that's kind of the cross section of who we are. Yeah, yeah. We like hip hop and pop music and we love pop rocks and candy. Yeah, we're nine years old. Collectively, Billy and I are nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, but we haven't had a guest um, in a couple of weeks. In a handful of episodes, yeah. And today we are blessed with a guest nice too blessed to be guest okay is that a thing yeah i'm not exactly sure but <laughs> it sounds near right um today we have dear friend milana Weintrub with hi. us hi milana it is a little scary to say that you guys haven't had a guest in a while it's kind of like you're the first date we've been on in years <laughs> <laughs> is this gonna go well help us there's chairs all over the uh, studio but we said sit next to us just sit right in between us <laughs> exactly um milana how's it going really good How yeah are you yeah i'm great i'm uh, i'm really happy to be back in this house yeah. Before, yeah before they move you are a veteran of doing headgum podcasts correct i've done jake and amir's podcast yep. and i've done josh rubin's podcast yes was, i mean though i love those guys mm-hmm. they're really fun yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine that you know for a while because you've sort of been in the i feel like in the college humor internet video purview just like we have forever and ever it seems like yeah, I think I did Jake and Amir's podcast maybe like, th- I mean, uh, their their web series probably like three years ago. Wow. On the College Humor, the on, Jake and Amir show. On the show. College Humor. Yes, <laughs> the collegehumor.net. Yeah. Right. <laughs> on Netscape. <laughs> That's and right. It was, it was an honor. So that was that was how I first met them and we got along really well and I, I love having beautiful, deep conversations with people and... They're great to do it with because because yep. Jake can jump into all of the spiritual stuff. Yes, yeah, that's where he wants to be. Layers, right? And then Amir will just spike it down. <laughs> and and what that's do you like, mean by spike it down? Well, I'll say something about like astrology, and you'll just see his eyes roll to the furthest part of his head. There are jokes to be said. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and that's, it's fun to, like, have that conversation with him, too, about why he believes the way he believes. Right. And I've never tried to change his mind. Right. Because there's no use, but it's, um, but I think his perspective is really smart and cerebral, and, yeah. and um, I think even though he doesn't accept it, he is open to other people yeah. having these thoughts that he finds yes. completely foolish. And well, that's what could you ask for? Yeah, that's it. You know, just have some open acceptance as to how other people behave, and then you do your thing, too. And yeah. that's totally. okay. Are you an astrology person, Milana? Is I this... love astrology. Really? Really? Yeah. Really? And have yeah. always? Um, I've kind of always, like, been proud of being a Pisces before <laughs> I totally understood what it was, because my mom is a Pisces, and mm-hmm. I found a lot of really close Pisces friends. Uh, what comes with being a Pisces? What are some of the kind of being like a dreamer? Being mm-hmm. f- like a, we're water signs, so we're kind of easygoing mm-hmm. and creative. We're also the last sign of the zodiac, hmm. so they say that we are also like the oldest of the signs. 
Okay. Nice. Ancient. Um, yeah, we're ancient. Yeah, yeah. We're wise. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're actually, they don't say that we're wise. We're kind of more intuitive than we are smart. When mm-hmm. you say, um, when you tell people that you're into astrology, do people immediately bombard you with, tell me about myself? What, do, what does Sagittarius mean? What does this mean? Or, yeah, and I often that, don't I'm that know. guy. I'm often that guy. Where what are like, you? Oh, I'm Sagittarius. <laughs> yeah. People well, filter through their own lens, of course. There's <laughs> yeah. a really great app that I love called Free Will Astrology. It's this astrologer named Susan Miller. The app is free, I think. And then you can get like a full report on her website. Mm-hmm. And I that's where I get a lot of my information from. Okay. And I have just found it to be so, so true. And then this is the other hippie part of me that <laughs> I, I really believe in, like in a deeper spiritual way that I um, really believe that we all have like an intuition, a thing inside of us that leads us to a mm-hmm. right or a wrong. Um, and not in like a social way, not like in a... A, a culturally devised like this is what you should do right. but a kind of a gut feeling mm-hmm. and the more that you listen to your gut yes the more i find that i am in line with the astrological world yeah like if i am constantly doing things that i that feel wrong to me then i find that i'm no longer aligned with the things that astrology is saying i will happen to me or i should be experiencing Mm -hmm. Hmm. and don't you find don't you think it's a challenge i mean maybe you don't i find like it's a challenge to get out of my own head and actually listen and be in tune with my instincts and my intuitive self i feel like everything in modern life and in life in general is uh counterproductive to that counterproductive to sort of like trying to quiet your mind and just really follow your instinct i feel like that's almost harder than it sounds or something just follow your instinct listen to your gut i know it's it's tough it's hard to do i think i I totally agree (laughs) i think that there's like so much of our society that's telling us that we need to be up on the social media and up on the news and in contact with all of our friends and And have a popular opinion about each topic at hand whether it's news or media or whatever it is Mm -hmm. right there's lots of shoulds and i think that those shoulds Mm -hmm. which is like all of the the social construction that right. tells you you need to be one way or the other. Milan is furiously air quoting for those of you. Who <laughs> just, <laughs> I should. My fingers are cramping. <laughs> I'm just doing actually bunny ear shadows yeah. on the wall. Yeah, you <laughs> should turn around, Adam. There's a great scene. That you <laughs> oh, but this conversation actually is a very natural segue, I think, to the topic that we wanted to discuss today, and that topic is Burning Man. Burning Man. Yeah. Um, this is the No Joke Podcast, and on this podcast, we'd like to talk about our previous, current, and future histories with the topic. That's right. And it turned out, as we were talking about it, all three of us have gone to Burning Man before. Yeah. Yes. So it the seems like a logical. The of festivals. Yes. It's where true. everyone's following their gut and intuition. Um, That's actually one of the, the thing. Can I go? Can I go right into it? Run, because baby. Go, baby, go. The transition from like the, the intuition. So like because in our world, we so often have all of these um, guidelines of how we should live, mm-hmm. the... The Burning Man experience really allows you to step away from that Mm. because there you don't have your phone and you don't have anywhere you need to be. Mm -hmm. So you can wake up in the morning and be like, what do I want to do? Where am I being pulled? Yeah. And there's so many options of exciting things and there's so many wonderful people to connect with that you really, the only thing you have to guide you is your wants. Yeah. And, you know, when I first, Adam and I were coming home from doing a show at Vermont, and a friend of ours in Harvard sailing team told us about this place called Burning Man. We're both from the East Coast, so it's kind of hard to get those things that are happening, you know, in Nevada and California into our cultural 
minds. In we a visceral just, way. I think I, we had like a vague awareness of right. Burning Man, but I, we didn't really know what it was. But our really. friend Farron told us that, you know, what it stands for and those kind of things, and it sounds really exciting. But then when she explained that their ethos is radical self-reliance, that's when I wanted in. Because it, that's so – it's nearly impossible to find a place where you can be so incredibly – and you kind of have to be self-reliant in society. Mm-hmm. And at Burning Man, it's all about whatever you bring, you bring home. You know, whatever you drink, you brought. It's mm-hmm. like whatever – you have to take accountability for everything. And that was such a exciting thing I needed in my life yeah. in 2007 when yeah. we went. And like you're saying, Milana, like people are out there in the desert. And for those – I mean, I don't know if there's a listeners who may not be familiar with Burning Man in general. Yeah, give, uh, them, a, give them a quick breakdown. Week-long arts and music festival. Please contribute to the subscription. Yeah. <laughs> week-long arts and music festival out in Black Rock City, which is the desert in Nevada. Uh, and it's a week, right? Yeah. A week-long. And it mm-hmm. takes place in a – this is – this is kind of a cartoonized way of putting it, but I think it's pretty true. When the first person shows up, it's just an empty canvas, a wide open desert. And that person puts a stick in the ground. And now Burning Man is a person and a stick. And then another person shows up and they put two sticks in the ground. And then they build a house. And now Burning Man is a house and three people. And over the course of a week, 50,000 people grow, go there and they build a society full of bars and airports and houses and dance clubs and churches and temples and hospitals and it's all man-made and none of it needs to be there it's all brought there from the spirit of the people who want to contribute to a society and the goal being that on day eight when burning man is done leave no trace Mm -hmm. that's obviously a harder longer story but they actually (laughs) do pull that off over a course of weeks afterwards yeah but it's there to kind of kind of support people's creative desires and put people in a place where they just can't get these things in regular society. Yeah. What a beautiful way to explain that. <laughs> yeah. It's you a really place. brought me back there, Bill. That was right on the money. Well, I think it's so true that it's, I haven't really thought of it that way, but none of it needs to be there. It's only there because people want it to be there so bad. And it really facilitates our natural desire to connect, create, mm-hmm. And then explore. Destroy. Yeah, and destroy. A hundred percent, though. Yeah. I couldn't not. I think that one of my favorite aspects of Burning Man was every night just always being hit and day over overwhelmingly with this doesn't need. Why is this happening? This There's no one telling anyone here to do this. It's kind of a cool question to ask in everyday life. Like, hundred, this podcast right. doesn't not, need to exist. No. This, and we, <laughs> this house does not need to exist. And we like, try to unwrap why we do this podcast. Yeah. And, you know, it actually, like, it's very actually really reaffirming when we do. And I think that's kind of the Burning Man experience, too. Mm-hmm. We would be like, there doesn't need to be an exact replica of the Eiffel Tower. But someone needed to build that, and the desert, anyway. the desert provided that opportunity. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it brings joy. Mm-hmm. I think that is the, the biggest reason for Burning Man, is that people have a muse that whispers in their ear that says, you know what would be cool? An Eiffel Tower mm-hmm. <laughs> in the desert. Yep. And then they gather the resources and the people Correct. to construct it. Right. And then oftentimes, and, and only for the reason for people to go there and go like, oh my God, this is beautiful. This is so cool. And then often on the last day with a lot of these art pieces, right. they burn them. Yeah. Right. Which is also so we cool. We create to destroy. Because you say that they built this Eiffel Tower so that people can enjoy it. I don't even know if I agree with that. I think they built that Eiffel Tower because in their minds, that's just doing something bigger than they believed they actually could. Or you need to prove it to yourself, you know, that we are, I'm going to do this regardless of anyone else. I agree that it's but for do you an think audience. They would build, yeah. Do you think they would build it if nobody 
came I, to live I'd there? like I'd like to believe so, yeah. I've we have a friend in Brooklyn, and this is gonna sound super hipster Brooklyn, but his name is Zach. He bought a plot of land so in like uh, in, <laughs> in like deep Nevada. He built three robots. Those robots just uh, patrol this like ten acre plot of land <laughs> in Nevada and he calls it Zakistan. He owns it. And yeah, I think that people like him exist where it's like, I need to be weird. And I'm going to be weird. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that that is specific to Zach. And I, I disagree <laughs> with well, you. Well, being so sweet and polite. That, yeah. yeah. That I, but I, I, do, I do think that people, part of the institution of Burning Man is community. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is brought out there just for people to enjoy. Yeah. Were you guys gifting. there? The whole gifting culture is really that, about that. Yeah. People, people, when I f- tell them about Burning Man, they're like, so it's like a barter system. You go there and you like trade stuff. Right. And I'm like, no, it's no. not a barter. It's a gift. Right. You don't give anything with you the expectation no- of getting anything back. Mm-hmm. And I think of those art pieces yeah. as gifts. Yes, that's true. You're not wrong. I Absolutely. don't disagree. We're not that. saying gifts. We're saying gifts. Right. Yeah. If we were saying gifts, we would be saying jits. Okay, okay, guys. That's where conversations always get ugly. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's the first act, and we try and talk about what got us there or our previous history. What actually inspired you to go to Burning Man? Where did you hear about it? I guess you're from California, right? So that's maybe a little bit more in the yeah. I'm cultural from California. Zeitgeist. I think like in my teen years. <laughs> I was getting really into environmentalism mm. and um, that kind of led to more more hippie exploration. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, you know, led to like um, starting to do mood boards when I was like 17. Yeah. And, and like naturally, I kind of was drawn more to a, a hippie community. Mm-hmm. And then I think it really happened um, when I was in San Diego in college I um I met lots of people who went mm-hmm. and when they came back and they showed me their pictures and the jewelry that they were gifted yeah. and they were wearing all of it. <laughs> you know, they were they had like, these amazing necklaces and headpieces and and they were shaking the playa dust out of their hair still. Yes. Yeah, yeah I mean like it was literally still on yeah. them in their clothes and I I felt like I had already been. It was mm. this very weird thing where I was like I know that this is where I should go. Yeah. And then the next year I bought a ticket to go and I got really sick and I couldn't, <laughs> which I think was right. Like okay. I think that that year I was in a relationship and we were going to go together. Um, and ultimately I ended up going for the first time two years after that. Mm. And what that, year was that? Um, it's 2016. I want to say like twenty. 12 sure 2013 mm-hmm. okay cool. a few years after we went yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um that so you was, had plans to go with your with your partner with, at the time my, yeah yeah and then um we couldn't but like i said like i had still been a part of the community so many of my friends had gone right. we had had like burning man parties right. that i went to and i had the clothes and the, and it was it you was, had the gear I, yeah, felt, I, I really can't like make like really can't put it into words when i when I felt like I had already like been, been there. Been. Right. I'm totally a burner. I just haven't been a burning man yet. Yes, right. <laughs> um, exactly. That is the first act of the No Joke podcast. Sweet. You know what song Adam and I, when we went, we went in 2007, and a song that kind of pervaded the entire experience. I wish I could pronounce his name. Israel Kawako. It's very Hawaiian, oh, but oh, it was somewhere over the rainbow. Oh, yes, that Are you familiar song. with that version? Oh, okay, no. it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's this uh, kind of, 
Well, let's just play it. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Great. It was a song of uh, our Burning Man experience. Let's share it with you guys. Perfect. We'll be right back. What a wonderful world 
drips like a lemon drops high above the chimney top. That's where you find me, oh, somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. And the dream that you did to why. was Somewhere Over the Rainbow by an artist whose name we can't pronounce. That's uh, right. But the song is incredibly beautiful. Yes. A- and yeah, I guess that song was just sort of, Billy, you were mentioning uh, off mic. Yes. Uh, that one of the years that we went, there was this majestic whiteout. I don't know, Milano, if that happened to you when you were yeah. there, but like, the wind kicked up and you really can't see your hand six inches in front of your face. And it's like a little, there's like a danger element to it. Like, okay, everyone be careful. Like you really, truly cannot see. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's magical. It like sort of doubles down on the, oh, we're living in a desert cloud. Like, this yeah. is like a level of Mario Brothers that we're living in right now. But the reason I brought it up was that in 2007, when we went, there was a whiteout. Yes. And when there's a whiteout, they tell you to be still. Do not move. If you're in a vehicle, to stop driving. Right. Because people can obviously get very hurt. Yeah. And it cleared. And when it cleared, about 30 minutes later, there was a double rainbow from that covered the entire sky. And when you're in the desert, there's a lot of sky out there. Yes. And just as the magic of Burning Man always arrived, some like school bus just drove past playing this song somewhere over the rainbow. And you just look around at your friends and you're like, I know the stereotype is that this place is magic, again, air quotes, but it might just be. Magic no <laughs> it yeah. might just be. Yeah. Oh my God! Can we share our playa miracles? Did you guys? Ha- I mean, that sounds like one. No, I heard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was pretty. That was a good one. It was but miraculous. The, the, also, Please. the amazing thing about whiteouts is because you because you trust that now Burning Man is like eighty thousand people. God damn! Is it eighty? When we were there, it was like forty five. Yes. It just yeah, keeps when I was growing, huh? the first year I was there, I think it was in its mid sixties, wow. and then the second time i went it was in its mid 70s and this year i think it's going to be in its 80,000 and for those of you who haven't gone to burning man that are listening to this the geography is at least when we went a couple years ago it was a seven mile circle so while 80,000 people sounds like it could be the mall on steroids it's not that there's actually space to be had there's tons of space right but that's still that's still twice as large as when we went that's pretty intense Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, I wonder if it takes up more land now. I don't know. I would I would hope that they expanded it out a little bit, but who knows? Yeah. I um, remember once wandering into the deep, deep playa, like one mm. random afternoon, like far, far from where anyone was and just like miles and miles. And I was just kind of biking out there. And I was like almost like Truman Show style. Like I wanted to f- like reach the end of it or right, something. Like see right. if we were actually like in a geodesic dome or something. <laughs> right. Like where's the end of it? It right. just goes on forever. And I was like out there like no one else was in sight. It was so, so far away out of earshot, out of vision everything and all the way out of the deep playa like on the border of burning man like the nation of burning man was an ice cream truck and just like an ice cream cart out there uh-huh. for me and, and didn't just, he like, say- a guy that was there uh-huh. with all these snow cones, and it was like 100 degrees, and he was just like out, 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 out on the uh-huh. outskirts of right. Burning Man yeah. all by himself. But didn't he say something to you? Wasn't it you and Farron? At least the way I remember the story yeah. is you guys like met, and then he said, you found me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, As though he were just waiting for us the entire time. Wow. It's like, that sounds like some really great acid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I meant. It was great acid. <laughs> and then we flew together over the mountains. <laughs> yeah, and we exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I realized? Cold. We never gave you really a proper introduction. 
um, oh, at, in the beginning okay. of the first. That's okay. Would you rather remain anonymous? No, it's fine. I'm, I mean, I'm not upset about it. One thing I just want to say about the whiteouts oh. is, sorry, and we can go no, back no, to no, all no, the introductions. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter to me. But the thing that I really love about whiteouts is because now 80,000 people have to sit still is it forces you to be present. It forces you to just sit in that moment with nature, knowing that there's nothing else you have to do. There's no one you can or should be looking for Mm -hmm. or trying to contact. Absolve yourself of control for a second. You surrender. You're just the, you're part of nature. And it also for me, oh, do you guys have Burning Man names? I never got one. I'm just oh. Adam still. Just still Adam, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to explain very quickly? Because again, these people might not have gone to Burning Man. <laughs> what a Burning Man name is, what it kind of, what it is. Yeah. Bur- a Burning Man name is just the name that you tell people is your name at Burning Man. Oh, so you gave yourself a Burning Man name. Well, people can give you one or you right. can give yourself one. Mm-hmm. But it is like the character that you feel you become there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost is like, it's, in a way, your truest self or like your truest self at this time and place. Okay. Um, because I, I do think that we become different people. We kind of, we're different depending on what light is shining on sure. us, yes. right? Like at work, we are a certain kind of personality with our friends, with our yep. family. Right. Um, so at Burning Man, you become this other version of yourself. And uh, there, the name that was given to me well first of all i had like three other names that i did not like someone was like oh it's your first time at burning man you're a virgin burner what's your name oh. i'm like uh my oh. name is milana oh like italy okay we're gonna call you italy oh that was just your like, first idea <laughs> yeah. it was just your first okay, association we can, let's brainstorm this yeah. uh let's start bubbling uh with a whiteboard <laughs> We just start That's, writing manically on the side heard, of RVs. I've heard a Burning Man rejection story. Yeah. It's supposed to be about open hearted, nothing yeah. is wrong, support everything, accept what's given to you. I'm not so hot on Italy. Yeah. Oh, Milana, like Italy, we'll call you Italy. No thanks. Oh. <laughs> but I think that's also part of it is like just being true and not yeah. taking anything personally and being like, uh, nope, that one's not for me, but I really appreciate yep. you reaching out and trying for this my This sounds sake. harsh, but my parents asked me what my biggest takeaway was when I left burning man and i told them very honestly i can now tell people i don't care without feeling like i'm offending them <laughs> oh that's interesting in turn like i can say that with confidence like i not like a dismissive i don't care but if there's something that i'm brought into where i honestly seriously don't care and my voice won't be contributing to anything i'd rather them know that i'm just not going to support or be around this thing and i learned that at burning man that's really cool bill it just knocked over your head so many times it's like take care of yourself yes. you are the world yes you know it's to your like, point it's your authentic there's something about fi- getting in touch with your authentic self right what a cool takeaway that's that's and, a cool and the people to... who understood that in my life afterwards when i would actually say that to him and they weren't offended they almost like admired it right it's like okay you're the people i want to keep around in my life and yeah. the people who uh, can't even process that information or just say that's so rude or yeah. not even kind of go to the next layer like well why don't you care right it's interesting to also think about what is rude mm. go on like what well i mean like um to say that something is rude is a way of saying that this thing that you feel mm. i'm taking personally right the thing that you feel is about me mm-hmm and you have some kind of malicious intent mm-hmm. or carelessness in saying how you feel yep. is so weird. Mm-hmm. It's so it, – it, because we are all so 
tied up in our own brains yes. right. that we don't actually like a lot of the times we don't even really think about how and we shouldn't i wish that every person could just take care of themselves and then we could we would all be so much happier if we could get out of the fear of like will this hurt someone's feelings because right. then we could all be so much happier yeah. and right. freer. and right. i kind of think that's what you're saying bill it's like the fear of offending i am crippled with the fear of offending others yeah and being quote-unquote rude right or yeah. doing something that someone else might interpret as careless or offensive or short-sighted or mean this is manifested in my life by i try not to use exclamation points in my emails anymore oh, it's just well not when they're warranted <laughs> sure but if it's just like a passing like sounds good about like seeing you in 10 minutes i'm not gonna go triple exclamation point <laughs> are you gonna go one exclamation point i don't think so I don't wow. think so. And I, I don't still... mean this as a power tactic. No, I'm just no. saying that like I'm trying to see the change in the world that I want. I don't want I don't need Please let your digital punctuation reflect your true enthusiasm. Right. Right. To trump up your enthusiasm <laughs> team with multiple exclamation exactly. points. Be honest. Oh. Be real. So, so I'm going through a couple of rough months right now where it's like I know that people are receiving these like, did I do something wrong to Billy? But I'm trying to create a new normal. So if you get an email from me, anyone at listening to this, and it doesn't have an exclamation point, don't take a nothing personal, personal. Chill. And don't feel the need to hit me with any exclamation Seriously. points. Just like we're talking here, peeps. <laughs> Just like we're talking. Oh, but I feel like I often talk with exclamation points. Then there's nothing wrong authentic with that. punctuation. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it's that. It's authentic. Right. right. It's just not authentic to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. My default is almost an ellipses. Oh. Because <laughs> I feel like I speak in ellipses <laughs> a lot of the time. You're just alluding. You're just alluding. Yeah, just alluding to something. (laughs) That also shows that you don't want to close this email chain down. I don't want to be the the end-all, be-all of this. Leave the door open? Yeah. (laughs) You must have a response. Exactly. Right. I'm very uncomfortable having the last word. Right. So it wasn't Italy. Back to your Burning Man name. Yeah. So ultimately what we settled on, and I, I... I kind of I came up with it and then was like, "Yep, this is it." Was uh, spec? Oh, okay. I, I liked the name spec because I liked the idea of being a speck of dust. Yes, or being tiny and insignificant in the great big world. Yeah, and uh, you and me both, my friend. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of nice to to be to not matter. Yeah, I think some people see that. I mean, because that is the sort of like core existential thing that I feel like you're faced with and, and sort of super extraneous and sort of extra special environments like Burning Man, you're really faced with that. Like, oh man, I'm just a speck of dust in this vast universe. I think some people get intimidated or turned off by that idea. Like, oh man, because it sort of runs counter to the, like you were saying, Milana, we're all living in our own heads. We want to believe that our lives matter and that the thing and the thoughts and feelings we have are important in a global way. And it's okay that they don't. And in fact, I find it liberating. I mean, to me, the sort of putting myself in the universal, huge intergalactic context of being super insignificant, just a makeup of dusty particles that will become a plant and then a rat and whatever. I mean, that to me is um, helpful and liberating. And when I feel anxious and stressed out, one of the things I remind myself to calm myself down is that I don't matter. So like, it's not a sort of despondent point of view to me. To me, it's actually quite freeing Mm. um, and liberating. Well, the name Spec is taken. Spec okay, is taken. so you're going to have to get a different okay, name. Okay, cool. You can it... agree with the feelings, but not the name. Okay, but, cool. you know, just going back to the significance thing, I think we do need both. I think we need the freedom to feel like we are part of a bigger, a much, much bigger thing, and we are so small in time and space, but also that we matter to ourselves. Yeah. I think that's, that's a healthy thing, because feeling like you matter globally is 
kind of it's doomful to because where does that stop and how many people do you need to have validate that in order to feel significant but if you know that like you matter to your own health and to a significant other or you have a quality relationship or however many um that i think is a great place to find your significance but if you're trying to do it globally which is actually a really sad popular thing now that everyone wants to be famous it feels attainable because it's just a little bit more with social media and everything it's also like a little bit more accessible and close lots of there's this um study came out that like when you ask high school kids what do they want to be or maybe it was even younger a lot of them said famous sure and right. it's so sick to me i think because fame is not happiness mm. and significant and, and you can be famous and still feel insignificant what was, how was the question phrased it was what do you want to be when you grow up i wonder if the question was what career would you like when you grow up famous. If they would still say famous because yeah. <laughs> b right. does allow the interpretation of the you know yeah but it definitely is it proves a very big point but i do think that's like what the you know being famous for doing nothing which right. many people are becoming mm-hmm. more and more now mm-hmm. it's um it does have that need for significance so going back to burning man sitting in that whiteout and being like i am significant just by being mm-hmm. i i am safe and i am excited and i am um significant and loved and contributing and like all of and growing just by being is a a form of nirvana almost lovely i tend to think i tend to agree you uh mentioned uh, a music video that you your friend just made or you made with a friend so um this is a song called oh shit we forgot about jess rona oh (laughs) (laughs) that my friend jess rona wrote um, and uh, my friend Sammy Cohn and I directed the music video for it. It is so funny, and it's online. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. I checked my Instagram account very casually. I couldn't help but notice that you're having a party. You all pose for group photos with hashtag family. But there's an emptiness inside Cause you know something's missing And then somebody says Oh shit, we forgot about Jess Rona
turn on my TV. The news reports that chaos broke on a fiery, grieving street. The sky turns red from fire engines, and mothers hug their babies. Survivors weep with cries so loud, a pack of coyotes start howling. All the firemen are saying they must have forgot about Jess Rona. She should be in magazines. How could they forget to invite Rona? I'm not surprised this is happening. Oh shit, they forgot about Jess Rona. That was the song, Oh Shit, We Forgot About Jess Rona, starring your friend Jess Rona, mm-hmm. directed by you yourself, Milana. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, really cool. <laughs> Very nice. Um, we've had friends who have performed music at Burning Man before. Oh, yes, that's right. In Center Camp. There's a place called Center Camp, and it's kind of a stage where people can perform. There's also like um, a lot of yoga that can take place there, yes. and capoeira classes take there. It's just a huge shaded Community meeting ground. Center it's vibe. also the only place you can buy anything That's right. Ice Man. and coffee? Is that yeah. the two things they sell? I think that sell? might be it. That's Literally, ice and coffee? That's the long and short of it, yeah. Right. Um, we had a friend who had apprehensions about playing music live in general. He's recorded albums and stuff, and he decided, I'm going to play it at Center Camp. So we all went and supported him. Yes. What we didn't know is that he was going to get completely naked yep. and perform his set that way, because why not go all in? Well, let's get rid of all of our fears at once. Exactly Every single right. one of them. Exactly yeah, kill right. all the birds with one nude, nude stone. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, those dress stones. <laughs> what was the point? Yeah. So but, how was it? How was his performance? It was beautiful. I remember he played that Wilco song. Jesus, don't cry. Yep, he played that very lovely you know, Wilco song. You got a lot for me, honey. Yeah, you know Wilco. Yeah, that was a really, really lovely moment. Yeah. yeah, that was not. I wouldn't say that was our Burning Man. You you talked before about like Burning Man miracles, right? Like events, and that was definitely one of these sort of transcendent moments that sticks out in my mind. Mm-hmm. All of us sort of lounging on those camps and on those um, couches in center camp. But I would say that if I were to earmark a miracle, the fact that Billy and I were able to find our group at all mm. was a little miraculous. Yes, because we went the very first year with a group of people from California who all like left from either here or Santa Cruz or whatever and they drove Billy and I were coming from New York so we flew just the two of us and we had plan like soft plans to meet our friends at there like yeah we didn't really know the layout or know when or where or whatever um so we landed and uh we hitched a ride from the Reno airport from a stranger from a total stranger right. that we literally just hitchhiked. Craigslist, yeah. We went on Craigslist and we said, is anyone driving to Burning Man? Someone said yes. And in the nature <laughs> and spirit of sharing and making sure that we can do this together, they picked us up. Two other strangers, we e- emailed on Craigslist and said, do you have bikes for two guys who are roughly six feet tall? They just showed up at the Reno airport. And within 30 minutes, we had our bikes and our and ride. ride. And we were driving. That's how I got my ride the second time. Is really? oh, cool. I met someone on Craigslist who's now my dear friend. Oh, that's perfect. how it works. And that's how you met. Yeah. Amazing. We were driving into the desert, and it seemed like off-road at this point. And Adam and I have never done this before. Kind of sheltered East Coast lives. (laughs) And we're just like driving into this aimless desert, and we're looking around. And then over the mountains, we just see this puff of fire. 
And it's like, Burning Man's that <laughs> yeah, way. <laughs> Something is burning yeah. over there. And we're driving towards it. It was, it was very, very Mad Max. So then we got to the sort of, you know, we arrived at the playa or sort of the Burning Man zone proper. I would say like sunset-ish. Yeah. So it was starting to get dark, but not fully dark. You know, we got there with the virgins. We ring the bell, the whole deal. And as we go in, it is, you know, it's like Burning Man. It was like the end, maybe the end of the first day or maybe the second day of the festival so in general. So it's kind of chaos. It's mayhem at yeah, that point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like nighttime Burning Man. Right. Uh, and a lot as, of fire, a lot of lights, a lot of, fire, a lot lot of neon. neon. Yeah, so we are like a little tripped out, totally disoriented, delightfully disoriented, no idea where any of our friends are, and we just meandered, and Billy and I just like entered the fray, and just like leapt into the weird, neon, strange, like sweet, sweet soup. 55,000 people are there, and yeah. the only advice Burning Man gives you is, there's one board, one big cork board. <laughs> Go to the cork board. In center camp, right. and try and find a note from your friends take that information and then try and find them in this eight mile circle full of 55,000 people. Right. Within hours we did. Right. Yeah. Within hours it worked. And the, and so we went to center camp. Did we see a note on the corkboard bill? I don't think there even was one. We kind of looked, but we were like, this is where it might be. We were on information overload. Yeah, I've exactly. never seen that many stilts or flame shooters. Exactly. Or, it was just like the fact it's that like. It's a culture shock. It's yeah. a culture oh, shock. B- Within yes. two seconds, Billy was playing a huge metal guitar that shot flames. Right. When he strung oh, the strings. I know that one. Yeah. yeah. You know that it's <laughs> funny. Multiple people have known that. Exactly. One. So the way that we ended up actually finding our, in quotes, camp and our friend's camp was that our friend Farron, who, the aforementioned Farron, who brought us to Burning Man in the first place, she is like obsessed with Special K with berries. This is her go-to cereal that we have, just by knowing her for years, right. we know that this is her like alpha snack. Oh, I thought you meant the drug. No. <laughs> the cereal. She's, she's really into Special K, but she, but she also loves blueberries. If you like, eat the antioxidants. If you take it with berries, it like totally <laughs> Really? Such a trip. Yeah. <laughs> so we happened to literally stumble upon like a half open, knocked on its side box of Special K with berries. Next to size three shoes. And, and it should like, be mentioned that she has little baked potato feet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the so clues like, were aligning. Yeah. We're like, these are Farron's potato shoes and these are her cereal of choice. We're here. Yes. And we were right. And then they showed up. Wow. And they showed up hours later. So yeah. just, I would say, in terms of as far as miracles go, it seems like just statistically and probability wise, us even Finding the correct camp on day one right. felt like a miracle a and, little bit. And then my miracle, I remember, and then we'll get to your miracle, yes. was day like day four or five, the evolution has now deeply set in. We now are kind of caveman-esque. We've evolved into Burning Man. We have left society. Yeah. We're laying in the desert. It's maybe midnight. And we're just laying on the desert floor. Everyone's just chilling out. And we're watching a shooting star. And we're like, of course you see a shooting star at Burning Man. How beautiful. And then the shooting star starts getting bigger. And somebody, I don't remember who it was, said, shooting stars have to land somewhere. (laughs) And now it's getting bigger. And we're like, no way the shooting star is going to land near us. It has to land somewhere. On us? 30 seconds pass. And now it's a big, big star. And it's coming really close. And then the star has legs. And then the star has arms. And then the star lands like 50 feet away from us. And it's a person who had jumped out of a plane but they've been wearing a fire hat. So they've been dropping through the sky with about 20 feet of flames coming out of their head the entire time. Mm -hmm. He lands about 20 feet to the left of us, unhooks his parachute, and just joins the army of burners. (laughs) And that was it. And it just... It was magic. Exactly. The man who fell to earth. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Such a trip. And we all just kind of like quietly nodded like, yep, we're at Burning Man. Fire helmet? Like 20 feet. I'm not talking like a little lighter. We saw this thing from 10,000 feet in the sky. 
he had been doing this entire journey. Fire? Helmet. Oh, yeah, fire. He dropped the chute and just walked into the fray with his fire. He was the shooting star. Yeah. And then we just cool. went to the next dance party. Exactly. It was just another great night. Yeah. The things that you sort of quickly take as, as pedestrian at Burning right. Man, it starts to become surreal. School buses turned into pirate ships that kidnap you, and you're just fine to get kidnapped for the day. In retrospect. Because you feel yeah. really safe there. Yes. Oh, my That's God. That's right. You feel like people have really good intentions, and everyone is there to gift good times. That's such a rarity. I never went to music festivals, but my friends who do go to those environments... It sounds so icky because it sounds like there's like drug dealers who are like yeah. peddling wares and stuff. There's no drug dealers, at least in our experience, standing drug on gifters. Sure, <laughs> but there's no one trying to. There's no one in public trying to be like drug oriented or it's not sweaty. It is, in fact, like you said, it's such a uniquely safe and trusting environment because yeah. just to get there requires so much work. And then to there, survive there yeah. requires so much worth. It's like there's no like And requires teamwork. Yeah. You know, you can't really survive there. You probably could survive there on your own, but it really does take a community right. to build that. So I think you have to have an inherent trust of your neighbors. I agree. And everyone is your neighbor. Yeah. Right. And you're so vulnerable, you're kind of giving such a free version of yourself that you it ideally is fundamentally just supportive, yeah. you know, to be yourself in whatever weird way you choose for the week. Yeah. yeah. So did you see any human shooting stars, Milano? When you were there? Well, I had two really amazing experiences, and I'll, I'll keep it short. But the first one was kind of like yours. Um, it was the day the man burned. Mm-hmm. And I I went with a camp, but I kind of didn't. I, I drove out there with my cousin and his friends, but I was alone most of the time mm-hmm. just because it's hard to stay in groups because there's so many things I want to do. Yeah. And I just want if, – if everyone was like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I – I would just start driving. Yeah. And then if people followed me, great. <laughs> right. Um, so I was alone a lot, but I was also always with people. But the last, so it was the day the man burns, which is the Saturday. So it's the second to last day of the burn. And um, it was getting late. And I was like, where is everyone? And I forgot that the man was burning. And I was like, oh, right. That's why no one is around. Was <laughs> such- so I rode my bike out and. I was actually feeling kind of lonely that day hmm. because there was no one around me for a couple hours now. And I had just been like, I don't know, like playing cards with a stranger in a tent. And um, But they weren't like, of course, they weren't normal cards. They were like spirit manifesting, whatever. Right, card. Right. And, um, <laughs> cards and, made of stardust. And so I have my bike and, you know, tens of thousands of people are gathered around to see the man burn. And I strap my bike to a pole and I'm like, well, I'm gonna, definitely going to lose this bike. Right. <laughs> and I just start walking and I don't really know what I'm walking towards. Right. But I'm thinking like, why are you walking so far from your bike? You're definitely going to lose it. Because also there are, there's not a lot of landmarks there. The things that you think are landmarks like art cars are cars. So there, <laughs> so you can say I'm parking during, next to this giant glowing panda, but that's going to move. That panda's right. on the move. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm walking and I'm walking away from my bike and I see this big bus that I had been on a couple days prior and I was like oh I'm friends with this bus and, <laughs> what a and the bus was full so they were like sorry we can't let any more people on the bus and but I was like I'm friends with you're this not bus. allowed to say no to me and this bus <laughs> don't you know I'm about to have a miracle <laughs> and so I like just stood there and I was like alright well I'll st- I'm still friends with you <laughs> it's fine <laughs> and then I just started I don't know why, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk towards the man. I'm just going to walk into this group of people. And I landed amongst the people I was camping. I walked into my camp and I sat with them and watched the man burn. That's... Not even so, like finding that's literally them on a one in a fifty-five thousand chance. That's even harder than our experience. Yeah, I would go I so far as to say. I was just 
I was just walking towards them as though I knew where they were. Mm. That's not even my biggest miracle. This okay. is my my big weird miracle. A mini miracle. Yeah, this yeah. is my second one, last one. Okay. A miraclet. That was a miraclet. <laughs> <laughs> so I was um it was the it was about five AM the maybe even earlier than that, I got out early because I wanted to watch the sunrise. So mm. I had planned my sleep according to to that. And I went out. I was trying to find this camp um, that throws this party called Robot Heart. Do you guys know about them? I don't think so. They're a huge, huge, huge bus. Imagine a double-decker bus okay. with hundreds of thousands of dollars of speakers on the outside of it. Oh, okay. A DJ at the top, kind oh. of like in Mad Max, the guy who yeah. got the guitar. Yep. But it's a DJ, and they drive out into the middle of the desert, the playa, and deep playa, and they have a giant glowing robot that they hold on a... Uh, um, like kind of a thing that you would hold a wrecking ball on. Oh, like a big pendulum, kind of a crane. Yeah, a crane. Right. And so they hold this giant glowing robot on it, and you just have to go find it. Sure. <laughs> you just ride your bike around the desert until you find it. Sure. And they give out these heart-shaped sunglasses. So I was out in the desert, and I saw this one girl who had heart-shaped sunglasses on. I was like, oh, Robot Heart. And she's like, no, these aren't actually from Robot Heart. These are just heart-shaped sunglasses. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Regular heart. And what a goes, disappointing couple story. <laughs> and she goes, well... I'm, she's like, but are you out by yourself? Because I'm out by myself too, and I'd love to find Robot Heart. And I was like, yes. I oh, how nice. That. Right. And so we get on our bikes and we start riding around the, the sunrise mm-hmm. in the desert together. And she's telling me about her life, and I'm telling her about mine. And the more that she tells me about her life, um, I'm, I, I, it starts clicking for me who she is. Uh-oh. And I'm like, stop your bike. And she stops her bike. Stop my bike. And I'm like, take off your glasses. No. And she takes off her glasses. And I'm like, holy shit. You're the T-Mobile girl. (gasps) I'm the AT&T girl. Oh. Hey. No. Where was Flo the progressive girl on the playa at that time? I'm the Burger King guy. (laughs) Did you guys appreciate that moment? We hugged like crazy people and we yelled and we danced. A lot of that is so, so funny. And then we oh. we kept driving and riding, and we eventually found Robot Hard and danced for hours, and oh. it was it was that's, amazing. That's out of control. That probably is... the first time the phrase "T-Mobile girl" was ever uttered on the playa. <laughs> yeah, I would too... think <laughs> you're the T-Mobile girl. I'm the AT&T girl. <laughs> <laughs> We're the branded girls. Yeah. Wow. That, that is, is that's miraculous. That is it was, that is a fantastic sorry. story. Yeah. Um, very and sadly, you, yeah, oh, that is also end? the no. end of the silly Burning Man No Joke Too bad. podcast. Too bad. But you're planning to go back this year. Alana, yeah, I'm coming said. back this year. Cool. Yeah. I wonder very if the cool. T-Mobile girl will be there. Yeah. I'll ask her. She's ask my her. friend now. Exactly. Yeah. Now I can just call her. Um, so you guys at home, please stay tuned for. Uh, Burning Man 2, when mm-hmm. we get Milana back in the studio. Yeah, Milana, we're going to drive you back. <laughs> and you can tell us who else you met on the playa. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was really lovely talking to you about Burning Man. Thank you. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming in to do this. Yeah, it's really nice to talk with someone who had the same experiences from a kind of philosophical and life-changing aspect, as opposed to drugs and parties. Yeah, it was awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Thanks well, for having me. Thank you for coming. For the No Joke Podcast, I am Billy Scafiri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast.